trend number five that I see is there is a, a large percentage of Asian, South Asian women of color working in a toxic environment and just trying to push through. What I hear is, you know, for the last year, many people have been quitting, but I'm still here. I don't quit. I will find a way to make it work. And that is a strength. However, when it's a situation in which other people are not setting you up for success, you can't change that. No matter what you do, work harder, be nicer, speak nicer, take classes on communication, you're stuck. And I don't think a lot of us understand that. And so we will tolerate being in a job that we don't like, that's stressing us out, that's causing us anxiety, and we'll stay there another six months, another year, another five years. And that's not okay. That's not loyalty that's benefiting you. It's actually hurting you. Welcome to Asians Breaking Ceilings. I'm Jeannie Chai, founder of BambooMyth.com and confidence coach for multicultural professionals. The goal of this podcast is to ignite your confidence, to empower you to overcome imposter syndrome so you can finally break that career ceiling and get what you want in life. In episode one, we're going to launch into what are the trends that AAPI female professionals are experiencing right now. We're known as the model minority. We look like we're successful, yet many of us are experiencing the bamboo ceiling. And those of us who are non-Asian don't even realize there's a problem. So let's get real, talk about what we're really facing and how to start turning things around so that we can get unstuck. In the second half of this episode, I'm going to be sharing the three most common roadblocks for Asian American women in corporate America. If you'd like to find out yours, go ahead and take the quiz right now at AsiansBreakingCeilings.com. You can also leave a written review for me at PodChaser.com to spread the word about this podcast, and I would be so grateful. So let's jump into today's show so that we can help you achieve authentic success without the stress. And I want to start by giving you an overview of my insights from speaking to thousands and thousands of mostly women, a lot of AAPI men as well. I've worked with hundreds of you to improve your self-confidence, to help you overcome imposter syndrome. So I have some specific insights I want to share with you as what I see the landscape is right now in 2023 and what people are sacrificing when you talk about Asian heritage and women in particular, there's this whole concept of sacrifice that we, we can't get past. And first, I, I want to, before jumping into the, the trends I see, I want to give kudos to anybody who's ever been brave enough to uproot themselves from one country and move to another one. That is such a badass thing to do. I know many of us, once we move there, we feel like we don't belong. We feel that we are now less competent or viewed less as leaders but the reality is you were such a badass you know i never did that voluntarily i came to this country united states when i was four and it wasn't my choice the times i have left my own country i visited pre-covid i went to hungary i've been to europe a couple times i was scared to death i'm like i don't i don't have good sense of direction i i don't know how to speak the language i don't know what to order what if i get sick what if what if what if and so that was just a one-week trip and so much kudos to people who are so badass and brave enough to uproot your entire comfort and your home to move somewhere else. That is a badass thing to do. And I believe that is a huge risk-taking move that requires a ton of confidence 
However, once we get here, many of our other norms, the ways that we do life, get in the way and create stress and become roadblocks to us where now we're trying to navigate really tough things. And I believe one of those reasons is that sacrifice is such an ingrained concept. So I'm going to share with you what I notice women right now in 2023, women of color, Asian, South Asian descent are experiencing. And I'm going to give you the top 10 trends that I see. Okay. Number 10 is that a lot of them are the breadwinners of their family. And so there's usually a woman who is working really hard for her family. They have a, a partner or a spouse who's not working or making very little income, which creates a lot of stress for her. So what she's sacrificing is a lot of maybe mental well-being from being the sole earner. That's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And so she also feels like she's sacrificing options because when you're the sole breadwinner, even if you don't like your job, there is some fear that I'm stuck here because my family needs health insurance. And so instead of leaving toxic situations or even if she's totally exhausted, there is a feeling that I have to keep going. And so that's one trend I see, and that's number 10. Number nine is that a lot of these women, ambitious, hardworking, intelligent women, are doing the work of three people or four. What I mean by that is you already work faster than the average employee. On top of that, somehow during COVID or through all these layoffs, you're now responsible for the work that would require three whole people. If you were to leave your job, they'd have to hire three people to fill your shoes. And I know you are not getting paid the salary of three people. So you're either contributing three times too much time or you're getting paid a third of what you deserve. And that is a sacrifice no matter which way you think about it. And so we're sacrificing a lot of financial possibilities and we're sacrificing our time. And because of this, this creates trend number eight, which I notice is no one has time for themselves. We feel like we're constantly in a cycle of taking care of the children or taking care of aging parents, running back and forth, driving. And, and now that we're going back to work, it's even harder because we have to commute. And many of us express to me that I don't have time for me. There is no time for me. I'm very low on the totem pole. And the reason I'm saying all this is these are all areas that we're sacrificing that, that are too much. Maybe we saw our immigrant parents doing this. Maybe this is the norm of the people you hang out with and everyone's doing this, but it's not okay. This is too much, right? Trend number seven is they know they're underpaid. How much? They go oh, about 30, 40K. Why is that, that women are underpaid? I think because most of us do not naturally, as much as men, ask for a higher salary when we change jobs. Many of us do not fight for it because we're more accepting. We don't have that habit. We think it's selfish and, and we're grateful. We're grateful just to have enough. And so what happens over time is there is a pay gap. That's the reason we are grossly underpaid. And then number six, the trend that I see is that we're not fulfilled. Not only are we underpaid, but the work that we are doing is not exactly fulfilling. And so what happens is many of us are heading up other organizations, volunteering within the company, and we have an outlet because our job isn't utilizing all our talents, our skills, our creativity, especially. And so the job itself isn't even that fulfilling. Trend number five that I see is there is a, a large percentage of, again, Asian, South Asian women of color working in a toxic environment and just trying to push through. 
what I hear is, you know, for the last year, many people have been quitting, but I'm still here. I don't quit. You know, I'm going to make it work. I will find a way to make it work. And that is a strength. And you probably got that from your family. However, when it's a situation in which other people are not setting you up for success, in which there is lack of support, some political stuff going on where they are not setting you up for success, you can't change that. A lot of the times, the people against you hold the cards. And no matter what you do, work harder, be nicer, speak nicer, take classes on communication, you're stuck. And I don't think a lot of us understand that. And so we will tolerate being in a job that we don't like, that's stressing us out, that's causing us anxiety, and we'll stay there another six months, another year, another five years. And we have numbed out at the end of that time. It's so exhausting and painful that we don't even remember who we are. And I see that for a lot of women who are in their mid-career, uh, 40s and 50s. And that's not okay. That's not loyalty that's benefiting you. It's actually hurting you. So more on that later. And so trend number four I see is almost everybody is exhausted, mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. And I got to ask you, how many days is it okay for a human being to feel totally exhausted every single day? I'm talking about exhaustion from a work situation that is toxic, unfulfilling, where you're underpaid, no time for yourself, doing the work of three people and you're the breadwinner, so you're stuck. That kind of exhaustion. How many days are you supposed to put up with that? What's the limit? And many of us don't know. And so we've done it for years. And that breaks my heart. Number three, and this one I didn't know before I, I came into the industry. When I became a coach, I didn't know I would discover this. But uh, as you'll learn later, I got very ill right around age 40. And I'm noticing for some time now, this is a trend. If you are a hardworking, ambitious woman who is used to stress, you're motivated by criticism, and you work harder than everybody else, right around age 40, your body gives out. I don't want that to be true, but I've heard it so often that this is something I need to report. And the kind of illnesses we have are uh, random headaches, backaches, joint pain, IBS, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease. Many of us have eczema, itchy skin, rashes, hives, panic attacks, and then the dreaded one, cancer. And so all of these are stress-induced because when we go to the doctor, they tell me, I went to the doctor, and what they always say every time is, we can't find anything wrong with you. And so it's stress-induced, because when, when you're stressed, your immune system is not being shored up. It's not being built up. It's not being taken care of. It's the flight or flight, right? So you are busy fighting the stress, and there's not enough energy to be boosting your immune system. So whatever germs and issues are going on, you're susceptible to that, and you can't fight it. And so I've noticed a huge drop in health right around age 40. And this is something we have to talk about because, again, Asian society, a lot of times we have superstitions. We think, oh, it's my fault. You know, I didn't take care of myself. Shame on me. And again, instead of having compassion for ourselves and finding a solution, there's this blame, self-blame that's going on, which, again, increases our stress level and certainly does not improve our confidence. I even had one lady tell me a long time ago, you know, I, I said, what's the worst thing about getting sick now that you've put everything into your job? She goes, I feel bad that I can't keep supporting my company. I'm going, no, no, no. Your life is at stake. We don't even think about ourselves when we're physically sick. So trend number two, I hear this all the time, and this is related to this feeling of imposter syndrome, is I am always proving myself. 
I proved myself when I was an individual contributor, got it to the manager level, senior manager, director. It doesn't get easier. I keep proving myself to the next boss, the next level, the next company, and it doesn't end. Can you sense the tiredness of realizing that there is no finish line? When am I going to finally be happy and realize that I've made it? And so unfortunately, a lot of times, if we don't fix this feeling of I'm not good enough, even if you get to director, senior director, VP level, what I've noticed and talked to women about is they still feel like they have to keep going because now the visibility is even greater. The stakes are higher. And so the anxiety, the stress increases. That's not what we want. And so what we think is going to make us happy and finally bring us peace and security when we break through the bamboo ceiling actually is a fallacy. And we end up continuing the, the practice of sacrifice, giving too much, never being able to turn off, not being able to relax. And none of you wants to hear this, right? Because you're hoping that there's a finish line soon and you can reap all the rewards of your intelligence, your hard work, being the most knowledgeable person at your team, right? Many of us are that, that person. But what's the reward? Because here's trend number one that I hear across the board is we are not being promoted, right? What's going on? Let's, let's address this. All the first nine things, maybe, maybe is tolerable, probably not. Being the breadwinner, doing the work of three people, having no time to yourself, being underpaid, not fulfilled in a toxic environment, feeling exhausted, now physically ill with no cure, improving ourselves. Maybe that's all worth it if we kept getting promoted. But the, the truth is we are not. Many of us are getting sidelined right about senior manager, director level, and we don't know why. And we see other less competent people getting promoted ahead of us and then becomes the avalanche of loss of confidence, loss of motivation, loss of self, loss of everything, health. And this is a terrible way to be losing all, all kinds of things, especially when you've sacrificed everything. This is not a fun journey. When you're the breadwinner doing the work of three people, you have no time for yourself, you're underpaid, not fulfilled, toxic environment, exhausted, physically ill, improving yourself and not getting promoted. That is not fun, right? You're not doing this for, for enjoyment. You're doing this because you think there's gonna be a payoff. But what if that payoff doesn't come? And so we gotta address this. We gotta address this and go, why is this so hard? And if everyone is experiencing it, guess what? It's not your fault. There's not something fundamentally, hopelessly wrong with you. And that's what I thought. And so I never talked about this. And I just thought, maybe it was my upbringing. Maybe it's me. I don't know what it is. And I never talked about it because there was a huge sense of shame. And if you love Brene Brown as I do, she says, the way to get rid of shame is to bring it into the light and to talk about it in public, which is what I'm doing, though I'm scared to death because I know I'm breaking all kinds of taboos. But if this helps even one woman, one person become self-aware and free her from the prison of shame and imposter syndrome and finally get to relieve herself of all this unnecessary stress and to boost her confidence, it is worth it. And that's why this podcast is being created. It's for you. So. Embark with me on season one. We're going to get real on self-awareness. We're going to talk about cultural norms. If you don't have someone who understands your culture, who's been through what you've been through, there's a total disconnect, right? They just say, well, why don't you stop working so hard? Eh. Why don't you stop guilting yourself? Well, duh, if it was that easy, I would. And that's the kind of stuff I would experience uh, going through therapy is I, I can't stop working hard. I can't stop beating myself up. It's like an addiction. I can't get out of this. So I know your level 
of stress and intensity and that feels like it feels hopeless because you've been doing it for 10 20 30 years there is hope because again i'm the coach that has helped over 300 women and men to overcome their lifelong anxiety to finally understand themselves again and create a life that they love by deciding creating and asking for what you want and that all happens when we stop sacrificing so much and so that's what this season's going to be about is let's look at the ways in which our expectations are so high that causes us to sacrifice so much of ourselves and doesn't end up in a life that we love. Okay, so I've got some data for you. For those of you who like to see the actual numbers, the well-known group Ascend, led by Anna Mock, in February 2023, put together a report. I think it was Denise Peck and Buck G that there is a inequality in terms of the percentage of representation at the entry level versus at the executive level. And it demonstrated that while some 8% of women are of Asian heritage, only 2 to 3% are executive. And that is the greatest disparity between all races, all demographics, and all genders. And so we have a problem. Asians are the model minority. A lot of times we're not even considered the minority anymore, right? We're called the overrepresented minority. And yet there's some real hidden problems, which is that the ceiling that you feel, the bamboo ceiling or the glass ceiling you feel, is not just happening to you. It is happening to everyone who looks like us, who is East Asian. and South Asian. There's definitely a systemic understanding that those groups have been underrepresented and there is actual work being done in most corporations to elevate those. But for the, the Chinese, Korean, Japanese, the Indian Americans, there's actually the opposite interpretation that the, there is no such thing as the bamboo ceiling, which is why I call it a myth. Uh, for those of us who are Asian, we feel the ceiling, we experience it every day. But for those of us who are outside of that, who are not Asian, we don't even know that there's a problem. And so in order for this to happen, of course there might be racism, of course there's systemic issues, of course there's gender issues going on, but we can't solve all that on our own. What we can do, however, is help ourselves. And that is going to be the focus of this podcast is what can I do? Not everyone's going to be racist. Not everyone, not every company is going to be toxic for my particular race. And so you need to go and search those out, find allies, find people who really support you, and then you will thrive. So we don't have to fix all of systemic issues and all of racism in order for us to thrive, right? This is an amazing time to be Asian American. If you watch the Academy Awards that just happened a few months ago for the first time, we have people like Michelle Yeoh and Kiwi Kwan winning the top awards and recognized for their work. And decades ago, this wasn't a possibility. Let's go back to the idea of many of us who come from an Asian heritage having had to deal with ceilings year after year after year, ever since we were young children. What am I talking about? Well, there are three barriers that I hear Asians come up against over and over again that becomes our roadblock to success if we are working in a Western corporate environment. Now, again, if you are Chinese, Japanese, Taiwanese, and you're working within a country that is in Asia, and you are in that environment, you'll be fine. 
because there your cultural norms and the environment in which you are working are aligned. But if you have Asian heritage, South Asian heritage, and you're working in America or Canada, somewhere in the European countries, there's going to be a clash of cultures. And over and over again, I have seen three areas in which Asian Americans, because I deal mostly with those of us in the United States, Asian Americans' strengths and their priorities when they were growing up is no longer getting them to the next step. And what I'm talking about is three things. Number one is the ability to be extremely humble and self-critical. That on one hand is excellent because very few of us are arrogant. However, when we turn that on ourselves, the level of self-doubt, self-criticism is so great it becomes a hindrance to our career growth and it prevents us from advocating for ourselves. It prevents us from speaking up for ourselves in a way that makes us visible. And visibility is huge, being seen, being known. And if you don't have that, it's difficult to move past a certain level. The second ceiling that I often see that we come across is this whole idea of, I don't know what I want. Many of us know exactly what our bosses want, what we're going to do for our children, what our spouses need. But when it comes to directly answering the question, what do you want in your career? Many of us feel like a deer in headlights. And I believe the reason for that is at a very young age, we have learned to stuff our emotions. We have learned to take a big part of ourselves, the feeling part of us, and put it aside so that we could push through difficult times. We could push through stress, get all that homework done, right, and, and be stellar in terms of our work ethic. However, at this stage in our career, mid-career and above, you need to know where you're going to go next. Many of us, as I shared in the, the first part of this episode, don't have career fulfillment. We feel overworked and underrecognized. And part of that is we may not be working in an area in which we love and we feel alignment, but in terms of pivoting, we have no idea what that area might be. And the reason for this is what I call emotional restraint. Many of us with a Asian heritage and background have been taught to put your emotions aside, to put your wants and your needs aside so that other things can get done, can be prioritized and focused. Other things such as homework and grades, right, and academics. And so we've lost that ability to have compassion. We've lost the ability to have the decision-making ability to know what it is that we really want. And so a great part of this podcast is going to be addressing this concern of how do we bring back our empathy for ourselves so that we can finally feel fulfillment, that we can finally know when something is not working so we can stop that, say no to that, and pivot. So what many of us are doing, because we've shut off a lot of our emotional sensors, is we are settling. We're settling. A common phrase I use is escaping one kidnapper to go to a better one. And that's how many of us have felt leaving a job that was completely unfulfilling, perhaps toxic, not working out, and then accepting the next one, which is a little bit better but it's still not what we really wanted. And so we, we jump and we hop from job to job, not ever really finding that fulfillment and that alignment because we don't know what we really want. And so we need to bring that back, that ability to determine, is this a hell yes? Is this something I love? And if it is, then I will say yes to it. And if there are red flags and there's things I see now that look sus, excuse me, I shouldn't borrow language from my kids, that look suspiciously unfulfilling or even toxic, I need to give that a second thought and learn to say no. 
And then finally, the ceiling that I see many ambitious, wonderful, intelligent professionals come across is this whole deference, right? In, in the Asian heritage, even if your brother or sister is born just one minute before you, they are your elder. And there's this element of respect. Whatever mom and dad says is always right. You never question someone who is a leader in church or a leader somewhere else because they have the authority and you expect that everything they say is true. And so what we do when we come to corporate America is we set our boss on a pedestal usually. And that's great if they are trustworthy, they're supportive, and they care about you, and they've set you up for success. Wonderful relationship. However, if you look at statistics, something like 70 to 80% of employees right now in corporate America do not like their boss. There are some issues going on with very bad management in general. And so it's more likely that you're ending up with a boss who is not supportive, who's not setting you up for success, who may even be toxic and rude and cruel and actually using you for their own growth. What if that's the case and you remain loyal and you think it's your fault that they're disappointed? If that's the case, you're going to spin in circles and circles and keep asking yourself, what am I doing wrong? How am I supposed to get promoted? How do, what do I finally need to do to satisfy this boss? And the answer might be nothing because this boss is toxic. And so I see this situation a lot over and over again where we are so loyal, we are so protective of our company, our team members, that we will take one for the team all week long, all year long, and we end up being the ones whose career goals are not being met. We're not getting promoted. We're taking pay cuts even. And we're doing the work of four people. And on one hand, that is your strength. That is noble. That is commendable. But on the other hand, you're really frustrated that you're going nowhere in your job. And that, again, is when we hit the bamboo ceiling, when we hit that career ceiling, because a lot of our norms are in conflict with the kind of norms that are necessary for career advancement in North America. And what I mean is when I speak to executive level folks from Japan or China, I ask them, how did you get here? And a lot of times the answer is I followed my boss. I listened to them. I didn't argue, didn't create any problems, followed exactly what they wanted me to do. And, you know, just jump, jump, jump like Frogger up to the top level. That doesn't get you to the same place in the United States. Oftentimes what I hear is the people who work the hardest, their only reward is more work. And there isn't this progression, this unstopped progression of advancement like you would see in an overseas company. And so, again, this is not your fault. If you are feeling today like you're failing or you haven't progressed or that you're behind other colleagues, the reason, again, is not because you're broken or you're missing a lot of skills or you, something's wrong with your English. We all have reasons why we think we're not successful. It's not that reason. It's usually because there are cultural misalignments between the way you were brought up and what's valued at your current company. And so that's the problem you need to solve, not to work harder, not to beat yourself up, not to keep asking, what do I need to do? But actually fix those norms that are in conflict and are constantly battling each other. And that's what the focus of this podcast is. So I welcome you to sit with me, to be here every week so that we can discuss, so that we can become aware of what these conflicts of values are, 
that we can learn how to be kinder to ourselves so that we can overcome overwhelming stress, imposter syndrome, self-criticalness, so that we can finally experience authentic success, whether it's a career or a side hustle or your own business, and that we can succeed without the stress. In episode two, I'm going to take you on a journey through a story of one Asian American, me, because many of you will resonate with why and how these ceilings came into place. I went to 20 years of therapy, had seven different therapists, and it took me hundreds of self-help books and research and learning to figure out why I was so hard on myself, to figure out why I had such a hard time with failure and asking for help. And I want to share with you in this podcast all the findings, all my secrets that I finally learned of how to transform from someone who looked like she was successful on the outside, but felt so much like a fraud inside, like an imposter, how I finally transformed to become finally who I really was meant to be and to have confidence to finally manage self-doubt and to finally learn to speak up and say no and to be an advocate for myself. I'm going to share all those with you beginning next week in episode two. Thanks for joining me today on Asians Breaking Ceilings. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave me a written review at podchaser.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Jeannie Chai so that you can be empowered and inspired to discover your own authentic success without the stress.